0: We're continuing on through 1st Peter, and this morning we're looking at 1st Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. 1st Peter 5, 8 through 11. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, Jesus told us that we fathers who are evil nevertheless know how to give good gifts to our children. Therefore, the perfect Heavenly Father delights to give good gifts to his children. He said, therefore, we should ask that he would give the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I ask that you will give me the Holy Spirit even now so that you will empower me to proclaim your word as I should, which is one speaking the very oracles of God. Pray that you will give this congregation your Holy Spirit so they can have understanding of what's being communicated through your word. Give them the Holy Spirit so that they have a heart and a mind and a will that wants to put into practice what they hear this morning. And we ask you to do this for your glory and our joy. In Christ's name, amen. In the summer of 2000, my family and I went on a vacation to Yellowstone National Park. And on the drive out, we noticed a a group was gathered on the side of the road. So we pulled over to see what all the commotion was about. And it turned out that somebody had spotted a black bear. And I was thinking, oh, it'd be pretty cool to see a black bear uh, but the black bear uh, ran away, and, and we missed it, so the crowd dispersed, and um, we had to change a, a diaper, so we, we stayed back while everybody uh, went, on, went on their way. And after a few minutes, I thought, maybe the bear came back. So I told Michelle, I'm going to go up the hill and see if the bear came back, and sure enough, I go up the hill, and, and there's the bear. And I tell Michelle, the bear's back. And you can imagine what she said. Don't get too close. <laughs> and I'm watching this bear, and I'm, I'm taking pictures. And, and then the ranger came back because he had the same idea. Maybe the bear would come back. And he said, uh, don't get too close. You need to come here. And the bear went away. And, and then we ended up going on our way. It's, it actually was quite exciting. And we were even praying that we could see a bear. And God, God answered our prayer. Now imagine if, instead of me seeing a bear out in the woods, it had been a lion. I can tell you this, at a distance of 40 yards, I would not have been as casual and excited. There would have been a little more fear and trembling. I don't know if you know this, but lions can travel up to 50 miles an hour, so he could outrun me. It's the second fastest land animal. If you want to know what the fastest is, it's the cheetah that can go up to 74 miles an hour. Now, by comparing the devil to a roaring lion, Peter is informing us that we have a serious adversary. He doesn't compare him to a raccoon who can get in your garbage and and make a mess. He doesn't compare him to to mice that can make droppings in the kitchen and you have to clean it up. He compares him to a roaring lion, and he does so for a reason. Our enemy is ferocious. And Peter's saying, you need to take this enemy seriously. And if you've been with us for a while, you know that the entire letter of 1 Peter was written to prepare God's people for suffering and persecution. And now at this point, Peter is upping the ante. He's saying, not only is persecution coming your way and suffering, you need to realize you're involved in a spiritual battle. And because you're involved in a spiritual battle, you need to be alert. You need to be prepared. In Ephesians 6, Paul was talking about the spiritual battle, and he described it this way. He said, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And as Peter talks about the spiritual battle and the evil one, he knew from firsthand experience that you could be devoured. Not ultimately If you're a Christian, but you could be devoured in an extraordinary way. Some of you will recall that during the Last Supper, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you so that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Think of Peter's response. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm no match for Satan. I'm I couldn't take on the prince of darkness. How could I resist him? You, you must help me. You must step forward and not let this happen. Instead, in essence, Peter said, Lord, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I'm ready. If I have to go to prison, I'm ready. If I have to die, I am happy to do so. Don't worry about me, Lord. What happened? He underestimated the enemy, and tragically, Jesus' prophecy came true. Before the rooster crowed, he did deny Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And Peter is writing here so that we do not make the same mistake. Now, I want you to notice something very carefully, that while Satan is powerful, While he's a lion, while he's an enemy, he can be resisted. What do we read? Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. That's important. Resist him. You can resist him. And in James 4, 7, we read, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Anybody know? He will flee from you. So if you resist him, he will flee from you. And the question we want to consider this morning is, how can we resist the devil? We have an enemy. He's fierce. He wants to devour us. So how can we resist him? First of all, there's something we need to do. And then there's something we need to know. This morning, we're going to look at what we need to do, and then next week, Lord willing, we'll finish the passage and talk about what we need to know. Uh, But if we're going to resist the devil, there are three things that we need to do if you're taking notes. Number one, corporately gather together with other believers. Number two, if we're going to resist him, we need to be watchfully persistent in prayer. And number three, to resist him, we need to firmly stand in the faith. So number one, to resist them, we need to corporately gather together with other believers. Don't take Satan on all by yourself, mano a mano. Okay? Don't do that. You don't have to do that. You need to gather together with other believers, their strength in numbers. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, where in the context does it talk about taking him on together. Let me remind you of the preceding context, in case you weren't with us the last couple of weeks. Uh, Right at the beginning of chapter 5, Peter tells the shepherds, the elders of the church, that they are to exercise authority over the congregation. Watch out for them. and He told them how to do them. And then he told the congregation to submit to the elders. And then he also told the congregation, be humble towards one another. And of course, be humble before God. And what Peter is doing is he's trying to bring the church together. Because if the church can be unified together, then they can stand the persecution that may come or the suffering that may come. And they can stand against the enemy Because they're not standing against the enemy all by themselves, they're standing against the devil arm in arm with one another. I think that's very important. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I find it highly instructive that after the Last Supper, when Jesus went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, to do battle with the evil one, to Prepare for the cross that was before him. I find it very instructive that he didn't go out all by himself. He took his disciples with him. This is what we read in Matthew 26, beginning verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful. And troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Could you not watch with me one hour? Now, notice Jesus tells his disciples, I am sorrowful even unto death. And because of that, I want you to watch with me. And he takes takes the 11, Judas is not there. And then he takes Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. In other words, he takes his closest friends with him in this time of distress because he didn't want to be alone. He wanted their fellowship. He wanted their encouragement. He wanted them to watch with him so that he didn't have to do battle all by himself. Why? Because we're stronger when we're united with others. Even our faith is stronger when we're united with others. I, I love this passage. This, this is Luke 5. It's, it's a great scene. Jesus is in a house and it's just packed with people. Just picture a di- dinner party that you've been to and it's so full of people you can hardly move around. That's how it is. And there's this paralytic and he's, he's lying on a mat and his four friends are, are carrying the mat. And they're like, we're going to get up to Jesus because that'll be healed. But they can't get in the house. So they get creative, and they say, ah, we'll go up on the roof. We'll dig a hole in the roof, and we'll let them down. Sure enough, they do. They dig through the roof, and digging is the, is the right word because it was made out of dirt. And, and I just love picturing the scene. You know, you got dirt coming. You're like, what's, what's going on up there? You know, and gradually the hole's getting bigger, bigger and bigger, lights coming through. And then all of a sudden, there's this man let, let down in the middle of this, this party placed before Jesus. And this is what I find fascinating. When Jesus saw, mark this, their faith, not his faith, their faith, plural, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Now, when he saw saw their faith, perhaps he meant the the faith that the four men had in in bringing their friend to Jesus. Maybe he meant all five of them together. I'm, I'm not really Sure, but I do find it fascinating that he talked about their faith. So while there is such a thing as individual faith that each one of us has, there's also such a thing as their faith. And don't you find this to be true as well? When people pray for you and, and they have faith and they're trusting God, doesn't it rub off their boldness and, and their confidence? You know, God is going to bring us through this. And you're like, yeah, he He will. That happens, and and our faith is, is stronger when we're together with others. And let me just give you one more example about the power of the unity of the saints, and this is from Philippians 1, 27 and 28. Paul wrote to these believers, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So you see what he wants? Be, be united, one spirit, one mind, so that you can do ministry together side by side. And then when your adversary comes against you, you'll be able to stand against him because you're doing it together. I mean, it, it's just obvious that the one of the tactics of the enemy is to divide and conquer. Just last night, I was reading through this, this book by Erwin Lutzer, and he was talking about lessons we can learn from Nazi Germany. And he said, Hitler said constantly that he could conquer his enemies by dividing them. And I thought, of course, that's, that's just how it works. It's, it's basic. People understand that. Divide and conquer, and Satan understands that, and we should understand it. So if we're united, then we won't be conquered. Then we can stand firm, whatever the enemy may throw against us. As Ecclesiastes says, a threefold, three-fold cord is not easily broken. So what do we need to do to resist the devil? Number one, corporately gather with other believers. Number two, watchfully be persistent in prayer. Watchfully be persistent in prayer. Notice how verse 8 began. Be sober-minded. Be clear-headed, right? Not too intoxicated, right? We understand that. Be sober-minded. Well, why? We should ask That question, that's a good question. Why, Peter, do you want us to be sober-minded? And actually, he gave one answer back in 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So earlier, he said, be sober-minded specifically for the sake of your prayers. And then he went on. He said, and be watchful. And again, we could ask the question, well, why do we need to be watchful? And that's so we can discern present danger that may come our way and then pray. Let's return to Jesus in Gethsemane. This time in Mark 14, 34. And Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And then in verse 37, and he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And then in verse 38, Jesus said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so Jesus combines watching and praying. Watch danger's coming and when you see danger coming the first thing you should do instinctively is pray so by saying be sober-minded that's for the sake of their prayers be watchful that's so they can be in prayer Colossians 4 2 puts them together as well continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving so this is all for the sake of praying and I hope you all know, but I'll remind you, that prayer is absolutely crucial when it comes to the spiritual battle. Again, in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the spiritual battle. And after describing the armor of God, this is, this is what he says right at the end, Ephesians 6, 17 and following. He says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying, at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, to which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak isn't it fasting? Peter's talking about the spiritual battle put on the whole armor of God and then right at the end basically he says and pray and pray and pray pray at all times for the saints pray for one another pray for me pray 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 because if you're going to have victory in this battle and stand firm it will only happen if you pray uh, mark nine um, is is a great passage to have before your mind this This is a passage that you really should should memorize or at least one verse in mark nine there's there 's a man with a, a demon possessed son and he, and he brings the son to the disciples and he says, "Can you cast a demon out of my son and and they couldn 't do it, which actually was surprising because earlier they had gone out and they were, even came back ecstatic. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But this, this time they couldn't drive it out. So the man brings his son to Jesus, and he asks Jesus to, to drive it out. And, and Jesus drives out the demon. And then in, in private, the disciples asked, asked Jesus, why, why couldn't we drive it out? And this is what he says, Mark 9, 29. This kind can only be driven out by prayer this kind can only be driven out by prayer in in other words there there are ranks in the demonic army and and jesus this kind was a little more stubborn than what you've up been up against before and he said this kind was not going to respond to whatever you tried to do i don't know what they tried to do i know this they didn't pray he said, this kind, there's only one thing that's going to give you victory. Only one thing. What was it? Prayer. This kind can only be driven out by prayer, which tells you about the power of prayer. I, mean, I remember listening to a pastor one time, and he said, if, if you ever find yourself like involved in a situation or, or a conflict, and you're like, what, what is this? going on here it's like this doesn't doesn't make sense he said don't overlook the fact that there may be a demonic influence involved and and if you sense that if you sense like man i'm just like what, what is going on here you know? realize that it may be more spiritual than you realize and if that's the case that that calls for prayer you need to pray for god's intervention and it may be that that God would be saying to you, the only thing that's going to give you a breakthrough in this, in this situation is, is praying. And, then, and let me ask this question: how, how important is it to pray to be delivered from the evil one? I think it's so important that we should pray it every single day. And you say, "Why do you believe that pastor? Because Jesus told us to pray it every single day. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he gave them what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is a pattern for prayer, and it is something that we should use as a pattern every single day. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Every single day, we should ask God for daily bread. So what's, what's the prayer? Our Father Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And R.C. Sproul and other scholars have said that that could be translated, deliver us from the evil one. And that's how it's translated... In the NIV, and I think that is the literal translation, deliver us from the evil one. And if that's the case, Jesus is saying, this is how you pray, and I want you to pray this pattern every single day, and I do. Every single day, I pray, I do, I cry out to God. Lead me not into temptation. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. And deliver us, deliver me, deliver my family, deliver this congregation from the evil one. Sometimes I say, when we're gathered together like we are right now, Lord, place a hedge of protection around us from the evil one. And then I like to add and do that by filling this place with your glory so that the demonic realm couldn't get very close because of your presence here. But Jesus also is telling us to take our enemy very seriously and because of that we are told to pray so if we're going to resist the devil number one corporately gather together with other believers number two watchfully be persistent in prayer and number three firmly stand in the faith firmly stand in the faith so be sober-minded be watchful. And then verse 9, resist him. The ESV says, firm in your faith. If you have the new King James Version, it says, steadfastly in the faith. That's a better translation. Resist him steadfastly in the faith. The Christian faith. The gospel. Uh, we see the same idea in Jude 1.3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, the difference between these two uh, translations is significant. Uh, Peter, I believe, is not referring subjectively to your faith. Rather, I believe he is objectively referring to the faith, the truth of the gospel that we find in the pages of Scripture. And the difference between these two translations is where you place your focus. Where are you putting your focus? And that really is, is important. Uh, before I came here, I, I told you last week I was part of a korean church and and one time i was visiting a woman from the church in the hospital and and she had lupus and it was pretty severe and and i remember her her saying to me she said she said pastor i'm focusing on my faith and i said to her don't focus on your faith focus on your god that's that's the difference don't focus on your faith. How how strong is my faith? Focus on your God. If you zoom in on your faith, one of two things is probably going to happen. Either you're going to be arrogant or you're going to be discouraged. If you focus on your faith and you think, Man, I'm really doing good. Like Peter, you know, like, Lord, don't worry about me. I, I'm ready. I'm prepared. If I have to go to prison, if I have to die, I'm ready. I am so strong, Lord, if you only knew how strong I was. If you look at your faith and you think, wow, it's so strong, you're going to be arrogant. What does Proverbs say? Fall, right? Pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Or on the other hand, if you look at your faith, you may be discouraged because you may think, my faith is pitiful. I just, I'm really struggling to believe anything by God, that he, that he cares for me, that he's in control, that he really has a good purpose for all that's, that's taking place. So if, if, if you look inwardly at your faith, you're going to be arrogant, and that's not helpful, or discouraged, and that's not helpful. So what, what you need to do is not look inwardly, but look outwardly at your great, your awesome, your majestic God. That's what you need to do. If you're struggling right now, that's what I would say. Don't look at your faith. Just ignore your faith, at least for the time being, and look at your God. And Scripture is so helpful for that. Maybe you need Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I love this. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of of heaven and earth. So lift up your eyes. Where, where is your help going to come from? It's going to come from the Lord. And, and I love it. i got to go back. The psalmist says, who made heaven and earth. That's where your help comes from. Your help comes from Yahweh, the one who created heaven and earth. You, do you remember that? Back at the very beginning in, in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's your God. That, that's the one that's going to come and, and help you. And then if you wanted to read on in Genesis 1, you would see his power being poured out. You see him creating the world in a span of six days and, and then resting. You know, I always find it fascinating that evolutionists look at that and they like scratching their heads saying, well, how could he create the entire universe and in six days, because their assumption is that it takes billions and, and billions and billions of years for creation to come about. But we Christians, we, we look at God creating the world and, in six days, and we scratch our head, but for the exact opposite reason. I'm like, God, why did it take you so long to create the world? He could have created it in a in nanosecond. He, he could have just said, let there be a universe and a world, and just like that, it all would have been there. But, of course, we know that God took his time because he was giving us a pattern that you're going to work for six days, just like I did a creation, and then you're going to rest. The psalmist, he's reminding himself, his help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Maybe he's reminding himself that his God is powerful. His God created everything you see ex nihilo, out of nothing. And if God can do that, then God can surely come to my aid and help me with my little problem. And that's what we do. We stand firm in the faith. We stand firm in the truths that we confess, that we find here in the pages of Scripture. And when we get our eyes on God and not ourselves, then we find that we can stand against our enemy. So as you're, as you're struggling now, you have, you have a promise that you're clinging to. You know, maybe 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. I love how that's thrown right in there. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide a way of escape. So if you're going through a trial right now and you're wondering, I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end. You have to remind God is faithful. He will provide a way out. Maybe that'd be a good promise. Romans 8.28, one of, one of my favorites. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You might be going through a terrible time and, and suffering but God is good. He will work in it. He has, he has a good purpose. It may take you a while to figure out what that good purpose is, but he has a good purpose. And then maybe years later, like Joseph, you rise the second in control of the greatest empire. Oh, this was God's purpose in it. Or maybe like Job afterwards, you, you come through, oh, this was God's purpose. Or maybe you will have to wait till you get to glory. But in the meantime, you, you trust that God is is working. But you you want to stand firm in the faith. You want to stand firm in Scripture. You remember when when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for for 40 days and and Satan came after Jesus again and again and again. And every time Satan came after Jesus, what did Jesus do? You remember? Quoted Scripture. Quoted Scripture. Quoted Scripture. Deuteronomy, no less. guess he was meditating on deuteronomy but nevertheless he he was ready with scripture and we need to be ready with scripture ephesians 6 once again where paul talks about the spiritual battle take on the armor and 17 he says and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is what the word of god right You, you need to take this into battle okay remember we're Our our warfare, okay, it's not against flesh and blood, It's, it's spiritual, and therefore we use spiritual weapons, and this is your sword, and you can resist the evil one with your sword. You can cut him to pieces, and as you resist him with the sword, James promised he will flee from you. Came after Jesus, Jesus quoted scripture, and then we're told that the devil left him for more opportune time but we need we need to fight them off we need we need to have our sword ready to do to do battle in july of 1553 mary tudor uh, became queen of england after overthrowing and beheading uh, lady jane gray mary tudor is commonly referred to as bloody mary because she restored Catholicism and had 280 Protestants burned at the stake during her five-year reign. Among those executed were the reformer Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. As the flames rose higher surrounding these godly men, Latimer cried out, Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light a candle. By God's grace in England, as I trust, shall never be put out. How were those two men able to stand firm all the way to the stake? Well, what, what a joy that they didn't have to go alone, that they had one another. Right. I, I think if, if, God forbid, I have to go to the stake... It would be so wonderful to have one of you there with me. In all seriousness, to have one of you there with me and to point over to me, Pastor Christensen, play the man. Focus on God. He has a purpose. Would that not be an encouragement to you? I don't know about you, but right now I feel like I could handle anything. Not only because God is here in his spirit, but also because you're all here and together we can handle it. What a blessing that these two men were able to go to the stake together. And before they went to the stake, they were in prison for months. And you know that they were praying. They knew what was probably waiting for them. And they're praying and praying and praying, asking for God's strength so that they would not deny him. And clearly they were standing firm in the faith. They really did believe the truths that they professed, that they proclaimed. They really did believe that their martyrdom would have an impact on England. And they really did believe that on the other side, God would be waiting for them. And God would welcome them into glory. And when that gets into our hearts, then we can stand firm as well. And if you want to know the truth, one of, one of the things I look at as your pastor is, is saying, what if somebody in this congregation or the congregation as a whole had to face such persecution and possible martyrdom? I see it as one of my responsibilities to prepare you so that if the day come came, you could stand. You could boldly Hold on to your faith in Christ and resist the enemy all the way to the end. In the meantime, time, right, right now, are, are, are any of you struggling? Is there opposition in your life? Do you, do you need victory? Do you feel like the enemy is coming against you and you're, you're up against the wall? Well, Peter gives us some instructions here. Gather together with other believers. Ask them to pray for you. Say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through. Make sure you're praying, pouring out your heart to God. And and find a promise in His Word that you can mull over in your mind and and meditate on and and say, God, I'm, I'm trusting you for this. Maybe it's not even a verse, maybe it's just an attribute. Maybe you can just remind yourself, and He is faithful. God, you're faithful. You brought me this far. You will, you will bring me through to the end. So these are things Peter wants us to do. And then next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll see that he has some things that we need to know. Let's, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the instruction of your word. And I pray for this body that you will unite us um, so that we can be strong together, so that we can be like that. Three cord strand that is not easily broken. And may we also be a congregation known for prayer. And Father, may we continue to meditate on Your Word day and night. May we not neglect Your Word. It's our it's our sword. We must take it in into battle. So Father, help us by Your Holy Spirit to put these truths into practice once in Christ's name we pray.